This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, August 13th, 2019. And I'm sure more than a few of you have been surprised by the market volatility. It was up big today. It had to be down big yesterday. I mean, just it's just the way it's been going lately. Obviously, there's a lot of variables at play here. A lot. Um, or maybe not so many. If I think about it, I could boil it down to two couple things, really. I really could. And that's the world economy shrinking and China's trade war. Now, you could probably add recently now the 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 uh, uh, Hong Kong issue, but that's been boiling for a while. It's just now hitting the headline news. But I don't know if, I don't know if that's fundamentally going to change the market or drive the market one way or another. I don't think so. Anyways, I'm Steve Peaslin, and I thank you for joining me today. And I hope you will call me as well, because you drive the show. This is a financial show. We talk about anything financial. And when you call, we talk about that. I try to answer any questions as best I can. I will tell you if I don't know the answer, and you know, or it's out of my my area. And I'll be, you know, I'm trying not to try not to just talk about things I don't really know what I'm talking about. I try to stay away from that. And our goal here, of course, is for everybody to achieve financial freedom by growing their money, saving their money, investing their money smartly. That's what we're doing. And I'm going to do it with my own as well. I've been doing it for years and years and years, so I want to help you do it for you. Okay? So today, we're going to get on that path. That's our path that we're going to, we're shooting for, that financial freedom path. And, you know, it's not impossible one of the first things you do is make sure you're you're not in debt. Get rid of debt. Get rid of the expensive debt first. You know that's the one way you can uh, you know move toward the right path. Now, what's expensive debt? And you know, would it be better to to invest in a four hundred one k if they're matching your funds than paying off your debt? I mean, there's all that gray area we can talk about, and there is gray area, but. That's what we're here for. Our number is 888-99-CHART. And if you live anywhere in the New York area, New York and New Jersey, I used to live in New Jersey. I lived in New Jersey for, what, in eight, nine years? My first job out of college was in Manhattan. So, uh, and I was graduating college here in the West Coast in California. But my first real job out of college was in you know, Manhattan. It was kind of fun. Scary and fun at the same time because I knew nobody in New York. And I moved there. So, um, I'll be back in Manhattan, September 19th and 20th. I'm bringing my wife. We're going to do a little sightseeing. We're going to watch the Angels-Yankees game because we are big Angels fans out here. And uh, so, it'll be fun to to watch the game. But we're going to do some other things. But I'm spending two full days taking, uh, talking to people about their portfolio. So, if you want to sit down with me. I'll be there. And it looks like I'm going to have to make another return trip because the, the, the time slots are filling up pretty darn fast. So, anyways, so we'll do no cost portfolio reviews in New Manhattan. But you do have to register. You go to investtalk.com and you hold a spot. You get a spot, a time slot. And there are few left, just a very few. 
Okay, my main talking point today concerns a story about baby boomers, how baby boomer household wealth is 12 times greater than millennials' wealth. Housing costs, debt, and the Great Recession of 2008 are the blame. Now, of course, it's going to be higher because baby boomers are much older, but it seems to be much higher than in the same period when the baby boomers were the millennials' age. You see, so that's what that's a talking point. I've got some other talking points we're going to discuss. How about um, how about is the bond market in a bubble? How do you define a bubble, and is it? We'll talk about that. Why investors should be optimistic, not pessimistic, optimistic. I love it when, when uh, you know, people think the market is going to crash, it's going to fall apart, oh my goodness. Well, I'm going to give you some reasons why you should be optimistic. And finally, a Danish bank is offering mortgages with a negative interest rate. Mortgages with a negative interest rate. How in the heck does that work? In other words, the bank, you're going to borrow money to buy a house and, and, and from a Danish bank, and they you don't have to pay all the money back. <laughs> so how does that work? So we're, going to, we're going to touch on that. Could that happen here in the United States? Oh, it could. That's not likely, but it could. So that's interesting. Anyways, the market was up today. The Dow was up 382 points, the NASDAQ 153 points, and the S&P up 48 points. So a pretty decent uh, bounce back from yesterday. But we're still in a corrective mode. I mean, all you have to do is look at almost any chart of an, any index out there, any index, and you'll see that we're kind of in a downward, you know, uh, not a spiral, but a downward pressure. Uh, it's kind of evened out in the last week or so, but lots of volatility. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven days. Yeah, the last seven days, eight days, a lot of volatility, but most of that's been sideways movement, but, you know, it's off of its highs. So we'll see. We will see. 888 99 is our number. And those are the things we're going to talk about today. But now let's go ahead and take a question from our Anytime, anytime listener line number, 888-992-4278. Hi, Steve. My name is Rob, and I'm from Oviedo, Florida. I just got a quick question. I work for a post office, and right now I've got my retirement in a thrift savings life cycle fund. I just wanted to know, would it be better if I were to move my money over into the C fund, the S&P 500 fund? Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it for your advice, and thank you. If you're a long-term, if you still have lots of years left, yes, it would be. Um, I don't like the life cycle target-dated funds because they ignore reality uh, as far as interest rates and everything. So I just don't like them because you can't tell what's happening, what's doing. And the S&P 500, over any length of time, it will return you between 7 and 10% per year on average, including dividends. And you don't have a lot of choices when, you know, when, when we're talking about government, uh, I think they're 403Bs, but they have C shares and I shares and S shares. And these are different types of share groups of investments. Uh, and they only have like five of them. And um, the one with the S&P 500, 
is probably the better long-term. If you're retiring in five years, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't take that much risk. But if it's longer than that, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely do it. Market's a little bit pricey right now, but man, you could have said that two, three years ago. You could have said that five, four or five years ago. Market, market, the market is pricey and has been pricey and could continue to be pricey. I don't know. But, you know, I think long-term you will be better off in the S&P 500. I'm Steve Peasley, and you're listening to Invest Talk, and I encourage you to consider subscribing to the KPP Premium Newsletter. I write it every Friday, and it's distributed every Friday, and you'll get a bunch of information, pretty valuable, I think, to you, in market, analy- market, analy- market analysis, <laughs> portfolio management section, the stock ideas section, a consumer watch section. It's about three or four pages. And each Friday, each Friday on Invest Talk, I share highlights of the newsletter. I'm sure you've heard me talk about it. You can subscribe anytime on investtalk.com. And now I'm ready for to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. The trading month so far has been volatile. You are working toward financial freedom and you might want a little help. So Steve Peasley is here taking your questions now. Call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Okay, here's some quick benchmark numbers. Uh, gold was at $1510 an ounce, a little bit down today. But 1500 that's a pretty big move for the for the year. I mean, have you been paying attention? Now, on the show here, I've been talking about gold ever since the end of, toward the end of last year that this year is probably when gold is going to do well and so far that that has been true uh, it's actually started to move up toward the, in October of last year started to slowly move up and then accelerated in June of this year accelerated fast it kind of went sideways from like the middle of March then to April and May and started to move up in June toward the end of June now it's been sharply up June, July now into August uh, but it was down today $1,510 an ounce. Oil is $54 a barrel. Average for gasoline across the country is $2.76 and it's about 2 bucks uh, in the Midwest. It's about three fifty-four bucks in California. So, you know, that's where it costs a lot. Disney films are doing pretty well, especially the Avengers in-game movie, but overall, it's been a lackluster summer. For the theaters. So 2019 domestic box office revenue is about 9% below last year at this time. And the movie theaters, the brick and mortar movie theaters business is struggling with how to deal with the changing economies of the movie industry. I mean, there's fewer films that are out there and Disney is dominating the film industry right now. And the, the movie theaters, you know, they don't make anything on the movies themselves. Did you know that? They make most of their money on the, uh, on the concessions. So it, they're just being squeezed, and that, that model is a problem. Maybe less, more people are going I and mean, watching movies on their home theaters at home. That's a theory anyways. I'm not sure if that's true, but that's the theory. And so we'll see. We'll see. Walgreens plans to close 200 stores in the U.S. at the same time the company 
pairs back its United Kingdom locations. The parent company Walgreens Boots Alliance says the new store closures represent less than 3% of the 10,000 locations in the U.S. It anticipates retaining the majority of employees on in other nearby locations. So things are going on there. Walgreens hopes to save about a billion and a half dollars by doing this, by the way, by 2022. That's their whole purpose, to try to cut some costs. Of course, we know that the whole retail industry is changing, all because of Amazon. Apple has massively increased its cash reward. It's offering hackers for finding vulnerabilities in the iPhone and the Macs. They'll give up to a million dollars. Up to a million dollars, which is the highest bounty paid or offer paid for for many major major tech companies to find problems in their software, the vulnerabilities. They're willing to pay for it. Now, you know, the reason why Apple is increasing its rewards, because, you know, they're facing uh, they're facing profitable private market hackers who sell the information to governments for vast sums. So they're competing and governments want to know the vulnerabilities. I thought that, that's kind of fascinating. It's, now that's for, you know, on the iPhone and so on and so forth, but they're looking for vulnerabilities in the, you know, the, the software that they develop, that Apple develops in, in their phones and Macs and stuff. But if there's, any, you know, they're also given half a million dollars for any network attacking problems that they might have, any for problems they have with their networks that hackers can attack. So they're, they're really trying hard to address this problem. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And let me remind you that the Invest Talk radio program and its podcast replays provide a daily dose of market news with our unbiased comment and commentary. And we have a fairly new offering, Invest Talk Academy. It's an online training class covering a wide variety of financial investment subjects, and we do it in depth. You can learn more at investtalkacademy.com, and I want to hear from you. We are headed into the break, and I'm taking your investment questions now. 888 99Chart. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener, you may even have called a few times, but if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888 99Chart. Hey guys, this is Jason calling out of Salt Lake, big fan of the podcast. You guys do an amazing job. Um, I'm just sitting here listening to the radio and they're talking about headed towards lows of the year and I'm thinking it might be a good time to jump in the market, but I'd like some direction as to when might be the most opportune time or how do you gauge when is the best opportune time to put your money in there. Thanks, man. I'll hear your message off the air. Appreciate you guys. Bye. Okay, the best time to invest in the market is in the depths of a recession. Now, the problem is, is what is the depth of a reception? recession? How deep is that? And so no one really knows when, if, how deep, 
How long? We don't know those things. We do know that we'll have another recession. We do know that we have corrections along the way. Now, so let's be practical. I would say that the next time the market goes down 10%, start investing in the market. It goes down more, invest more. It goes down more, invest more. You just keep investing. But if you're not in the market, best time to do invest is when there's a correction because the market has always, always had an upside bias to it, always. So when it gives you times where there's it's cheap, it's like buying stocks on sales, like going to the store. You buy clothes on when they're on sale, don't you? Don't you buy things on sale at the grocery store or any store? And Amazon? I mean, Black Friday, Black Monday, uh, you, know, you wait to sales. Why wouldn't you not do the same thing with the stock market? Most people don't, you know. When the market goes on sale, they run away from it instead of running to it. So the best time is the depth of reception. And then what you can do is wait for corrections and a normal correction is about 10%. And we're not quite there. We did not make 10% yet. And if we go into recession, the market will go down 30%, I think. Last recession was pretty deep, went down 50%. Best time to buy it when it was at 50% down. But how many people did not buy it? Or did not be patient enough and got scared and got out? A lot of people. My main talking point today concerns this story. Why baby boomers' household wealth is 12, is now 12 times greater than the millennials. Why is that? And it's not hard to understand. Of course, when you're older, you're going to have more money than when you're younger. That's not what it's taught, what this article that I was reading is talking about. It's talking about why is 12 times more when that is normally not that much. It's usually seven or eight times more. And they quote you know, the millennials, got to remember their age. What happened at their prime time out of college, just out of college, starting their careers? What happened? The Great Recession happened. So these baby boomers, these millennials, didn't invest. Didn't invest, put the money back into the market. They, they were slow. But they also have huge debt. Student loans. That baby boomers didn't have that. So they have reasons why they're behind. This is the main reasons why they're behind. They didn't stay in the market or didn't invest in the market because they were scared. As their careers started to you know blossom after the years of the Great Recession. And they had debt. That's one of the reasons why their household formation has been slow in the millennial generation because they've been waiting to pay off some of that debt before they start families and buying a house and doing all those things. That's why. Now, just so you know, um, the wealth in the baby boomers in 1998 was about $747,000 for people age 52 to 70. This is 1998. Now, remember, 740000 Now it's $1.2 million. Remember, we're talking about wealth, not cash, not in their investment accounts. Most of that wealth is in their home. Okay? Meanwhile, meanwhile, back then, the the younger generation people, they only had uh, 103,000. So the baby boomers went from like 750,000 to 1.2 million, whereas the younger generation, the millennials, went from 103,000 to 108,000. Hmm, not very good. Anyways, 
So they got to pay off debt. They got to start saving more money for retirement. They got to get on the ball here because now those those millennials are in their thirties, early thirties, mid thirties. They got to start getting get on the ball. It's as simple as that. The, you know, every generation has its own struggles. I mean, what's really been nice is, you know, the, the baby boomer, the millennial generation didn't have a war to deal with, like World War One, World War Two, Korean War, the Vietnam War. All those generations dealt with the war. Millennials did not have any kind of war they had to deal with. You know, so that, that means that, I'm not sure how that affects them, you know, but I do think it, I think do think that there is a big effect on people's psyche when they go through something traumatic like that. We'll see. On tomorrow's invest talk, what a tariff delay delay might mean for investors who are nervous about escalating tensions between the U.S. and China. Remember. Announced today, they were delaying Trump's administration, delaying some tariffs on some goods. Okay, and then when we get back on the market, I got a trivia question. You might be an investor in Ford, GM, Toyota, but of the vehicles built in the United States, which one is the most American-made vehicle? Meaning parts and sourced numbers, U.S. factory workers assembling. Which ones? Most American-made vehicles. 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And this philosophy is why KPP Financial can be of great value to investors. KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are committed to unbiased guidance, They don't upsell clients into expensive and questionable investments. Instead, Steve and Justin provide honest opinions and proven strategies based on the individual's current portfolio and risk tolerance. Working with KPP Financial, you can be assured of consistent dedication toward the goal of helping you achieve financial freedom. You can get things started with a phone call or a simple message through investtalk.com. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. Contact KPP Financial. It's been a wild ride in the market, so strap on your wrist belt and pop in your earbuds. This is InvestTalk, and now more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. Tell your investor friends and neighbors that Steve Peasley is on duty and taking listener questions now. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. I have the answer to my question. Remember, I asked before the break, what is the most American American-made cars? What is the most American American-made cars? Okay, the majority of U.S. customers are eager to purchase American-made. 61% of those aged 18 to 34 are listed as a concern. But the bulk of the top 15 car, man, car 15 vehicles in the United States are not American-made. Now, the f- number one is Jeep Cherokee. Number one. And you say, well, you know, it's Jeep. It's an American car. Nope, it's not really. It's owned by, uh, who's the company that owned it? It's uh, 
Fiat Chrysler is who owns, who makes, who owns Jeep, the Jeep franchise. Fiat Chrysler. So, Fiat company. It's out of Italy. Then there's, that's number one. Number two is Honda Odyssey, the Honda Ridgeline, the Honda Passport. Those are one through four. Then Chevrolet Corvette, number five. Acura MDX, Honda Pilot, Chevrolet Colorado, GMC Canyon, Acura RDX, Chevrolet Caramaro, Toyota Avalon, Ford F. 150 pickup, Honda Accord, and Toyota Tundra. Those top 15. Notice how many foreign cars are made. Because there's a lot of foreign factories here now. That's one of the reasons. A lot of foreign factories have been moving here for you know, a decade or two. Cars, because they're here closer to their customers. So... That's that's why a lot of these foreign-made cars have a lot of American-made in them. So when you want to buy an American-made car, it's almost impossible. It really is. Because, you know, now you can know that GM and Ford are domestic corporations here in the United States. But their cars, you know, are made all over the world. Just like Toyota and everybody else. Their cars are made all over the world. So just realize that that's the reality of this situation. 888-99 Charters, our number. Is the bond market in a bubble? You know how we always want to look for bubbles? What's the bubble? Remember the last big bubble we had was in the housing market and it blew up and that blew up the financial system and we were thrown into big, deep recession. So the question is, are bond market in a bubble? And But you have to, well, You'd have to dissect that. What what is a bubble? What makes up a bubble? Here's four things that you could that kind of make up a bubble. Is cheap money pushing it? Whatever asset it is, is it pushing up or down? Is cheap money pushing it up or down? Is there is is there debt or taking on debt pushing the asset class up or down? Is the asset expensive or out of the norm? And can you and can you explain it away like it's okay? You can explain why it's this way. Now let's apply those things to the debt market, to our treasury, thirty-year treasury. What's our thirty-year treasury paying? What is it paying? Two point one three percent for thirty years. The ten years one point seven five, and the two years one point six three. That is cheap, right? So it meets the number one criteria. Is there debt? Taking on pushing it. No, no, that's not pushing it. People are not taking on debt to buy treasuries. They're not borrowing. That's not. Is the asset expensive? Well, heck yeah, because it's been, their yields pushed, been pushed down so much that it's made those bonds go up very high in price. So I would consider that expensive. Can you explain away? Yeah, everybody explains away. Well, the world economy is, you know, slowing down and therefore, uh, you know, interest rates are coming down and negative rates in certain parts of the world. And so you can't explain it away. Remember, that's, that's, a, that's, so there's three of these four criteria fit. So are we in a bubble? Maybe we are. Maybe we are. Let's keep the momentum moving forward with another call question. This came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. I uh, just wanted to ask a quick question. My name is Joseph from Louisville. Just wanted to find out 
in your opinion, whether short-term and I think long-term it's going to be healthy about the U.S. Aerospace ETF ITA? I definitely know a recession is on the way, but I feel as if with government contracts and expenditures regarding military spending, that's not going to slow down. And quite honestly, I think this is an ETF to hold forever. I just want to get your thoughts on that, and have a great day. Bye. Okay, well, the, this is an iShare, ITA, exchange traded funds seeking performance correspondent to the Dow Jones U.S. Select Aerospace Industry. Okay, so uh, so the question is, this industry, the question is, is this a good thing to buy or own and, and long term? Probably. I would say yes, um, but don't think it's not cyclical. It is cyclical. Okay, and it always, this type of stocks, these kinds of stocks usually do better when there's a Republican president than when there's a Democrat president. Because Republicans spend money on defense and those kinds of things, and Democrats spend money on social issues. So, actually, in the long term, the stock market does better when there's Democrats as presidents. Has always done better with Democrats president, because there's also this perception, may or may not be true, that Republicans are spend less. But you can't say that about Trump, that's for sure. So, um, is this a good thing to have? Sure, probably. It pays on 1.1 percent dividend, but you're probably near the top of the cycle of this aerospace. If we are going to recession, if you think if you think that that would be a much better place to buy this ETF in the depths of recession, as I said earlier in the show. So you could wait for a pullback, wait for a recession, that kind of thing, and you'll get it at a much better price. Don't be in a rush to buy stuff. You know, wait for it to come to you. Let's keep the momentum moving, everybody. Eight 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 ninety nine Charters our number. Love to talk to you. Uh, I'm Steve Peasley, and you're listening to Invest Talk. So. I think it's pretty safe to assume that you're pretty serious about your investing and your money and you know what to do with it, your growth of your wealth. We all are probably, but if you're listening to the show, I know you are because that's what the show is about, growing growing your wealth and you know uh, making money, right? So, you know, to do that, you have to you have you have to understand how much risk you're taking. There's fear and greed. The only two emotions that matter anything in the market. You have to understand your risk tolerance, your personal risk tolerance, how much risk you're willing to take. How how much pain can you take when your values of your assets go down? How much uh, you know? How much how much pain do you want to take when it goes down, and how much risk do you want to take? So engage in how much it'll go up. So. Without that kind of knowledge, you can fear and greed could make decisions for you, and you you lose all rationality. You make irrational decisions. Well, we have a tool called Riskalyze on our website to try to measure your risk tolerance. It great. It's a very short questionnaire from zero, uh, and it grades your risk tolerance from zero to one hundred. Eighty being the risk of the S and P five hundred. And then we can put you can put your portfolio in, and it will it, it scores that as well, and just to make sure you're matching up your personal risk tolerance with how you're investing. Some people are taking a lot more risk than they're comfortable with. Some people are taking much less risk than they're comfortable with, and that's what this is all about. Go to investtalk.com, take the risk questionnaire. Now, time for your calls. Eight eight eight. 
99 chart. This is Invest Talk. We have a few important dates for serious investors. Steve Peasley is returning to San Jose on August 29th to meet one-on-one with listeners who understand how they can benefit from Steve's no-cost portfolio review consultations. Appointments are limited, so register now. And please tell your friends and family members who live in the New York area that Steve is coming to Manhattan for two days on September 19th and 20th. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin are always happy to answer your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Okay, why should investors be optimistic? I mean, we got lots to worry about, right? You got the trade war with China. You got recession fears all around the world. You got the Hong Kong thing coming up on the news now, even though it's been around for a long time. Well, how about this? We have pretty good relative earnings. The earnings were much better this last quarter than was expected. Pretty good, not great. We have a super strong job market here in the United States. The EU and other parts of the world are already easing money again, to some degree or another. Now, the stock market is fairly high, the market itself, but it's not an extreme or anything. The PE is like 18 and the average is like 15, and that's current, not based on the future earnings. So there are reasons to be optimistic. If there, if the world is already uh, uh, lowering interest rates, that means that they're they're already trying to make an effort to stem any recession. And there was there is no huge um, reason why there should be a deep recession. There is no, you know, oh we're over leveraged or we uh, you know some only bubble I see is a possible bond bubble. And that's not with borrowed money. Banks are very strong. And, you know, it, you, if they have negative interest rates, that might be a problem. And we'll get to that if that if we have time today. But that's the only big problem we have. If the negative interest rates continue to be like they are and it falls into more, having a negative mortgage interest rate is not a good thing. You might think it would be because for you, you pay less and you don't have to pay all the money back. But it's not a good economic thing. I'll explain that why in a minute. I'm Steve Peasley, and you're listening to Invest Talk, everybody. So, where do you want to go from here? Here comes another caller question. This time, they're asking about universal basic income. So, let's listen. Hey, Steve and Justin. Just had a question about what you guys felt about universal basic income, or UBI. I know it's not a realistic thing at the moment, but uh, there's a lot of talk going around in politics and uh just curious to see what you guys thought about it. If you think it's good for the economy, if it's something that does come to fruition in the near future, how should we be using those funds? Should we be rolling them into a 401k? Should we be obviously investing them, putting more in savings? I know everyone's situation is going to be a little bit different. But I'm just curious to see what you guys think about it. I think it's a really interesting topic, and uh, you know, could I understand both sides of the aisle when it comes to this uh, this debate of this question? So I was just curious to see what you guys thought. I'd love to hear your answer on the podcast. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Universal basic income. What we're talking about is the government just pays you uh, income every month, no matter if you're working, not working, no matter what. Um, I, I just don't think conceptually how this fits in a free economic system because you're distorting it dramatically 
when you're, and we already do that. You realize people get free income if they're, if they're, you know, in different forms, you know, you get your, um, um, we have Medicare, Medicare, uh, Social Security, we have, uh, uh, food stamps, and we have uh, unemployment benefits and things that pay you money. But that's not what we're talking about here. Here we're talking about just you get a basic salary because you live, you exist. Here, here's some money. Now, the trick is here, where's that money going to come from? Some, from an economic point of view, that money has to come from excess uh, excess productivity from somewhere somewhere you know of course they could just print the money and hand it to you but that is super inflationary that's never worked ever in the history of man and any economic system so um they tried this in a communist system by here here's money to live on you know here's instead of giving you a check though that they did is they gave you an apartment and they gave you food and obviously that didn't work but giving out cash, I mean, will it boost the economy? Well, initially it would, because they spend it, and that are, we are we are um, driven by the, the consumer. But that money has to come from somewhere, and this is why I hit a brick wall. How how does that work? A given money away comes from somewhere. So it has to come from taxes in a free economic system. So now you're taxing the productive part of the economy to give money to a non-productive part or and productive part because everybody's supposed to get it, right? So if I'm making a million dollars, do I get my universal income check? Of course, they're probably going to not want to give me the rich person that money, right? So they're taking it from the productive part of the economy and giving it to the non-productive part of the economy. But that money's being spent that will, will make the economy grow. It's a, it's an issue that I wish I was smart enough to address. I am not. But I don't see from, from a, a free economic system point of view how that's going to work, how it could work. Because you're, you're just you're taking money. And I know people think, well, just take the money from the rich and give it to the poor. I wish it was that simple. It's not that simple. And, you know, I love it, but let's, let's, let's take an example. Let's say you want to take the money from the rich. Okay, what money from rich, the super rich? Okay, let's do that. They don't have the money. They own companies. So you're going to take it from Amazon, the owner of Amazon? So what are you going to do? Take the money and sell his stock so you can give the cash? Because you need cash to give it to the poor. How do you think Amazon's going to do after that? See, I don't, I don't see how that works. I mean, tell me how it works structurally, and you know, we can talk about it. I just don't know. This is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here: to help you achieve financial freedom. We really do, and we'll continue this, this goal. We'll continue this work to get to this goal. So, get your questions in now at eight 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 ninety nine chart. On the next Invest Talk, what a tariff delay might mean for investors who are nervous about the escalating tensions between the U.S. and China. That story tomorrow. But now, Steve Peasley is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to John in Fremont. How are you doing, John? 
great, Steve. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I have a question. You know, now that you know tariffs are delayed, uh, is it uh, Apple uh, still a buy for uh, short term? For the short term, Apple, Apple Computer, uh, I, I like Apple. We own Apple in, our, in some of our managed accounts. Uh, they, you know, everybody knows who my Apple Computer is. I don't know if I need to talk about them. Other than that, their, you know, their earnings are doing very good. The sales growth has slowed here in recent quarters, which is not unusual. They're in the mid cycle of their you know, release of their phones and their phones uh, have, you know, the other sales of other divisions have started to perk up nicely where their their sales of their phones have uh, fallen a little bit. And of course, they have an issue with the China. They sell a lot of phones in China. That's where a lot of their growth is. So now it's not growing there. So the question is, is Apple a good stock to be in? I say yes. They're going to make $11.67 this year, then $12.83 next year. It's a $208 stock. So you're looking at what? You know, 16, 17 PE. I would say that I would probably wait for a pullback. It pulled back a little bit from 215 down to a Oh, about 192, 193, and that would have been a good place. And now it's back up to 208. It was up nicely today, seven points today. So um, I, I don't think we're done with our correction necessarily. So um, I, I think it's a good stock to own long term. I do. John, appreciate it. Apple, AAPL. Uh, it's no longer the big growth company. It's now a big blue chip company, so I'm hoping they're going to pay out more dividends. They only pay 1.5%, but they have a huge cash hoard that, you know, the return equity is huge at 49%. Their profit margins are very big, very large. But I think they got, you know, long term and they're not expensive, you know, compared to other tech companies. So, kind of like them. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. So the Danish bank is offering mortgages with negative interest rates, a 10-year fixed rate uh, mortgage at minus a half a percent. So what that means is you borrow the money to buy your house, you still got to pay the money back, but you end up paying less than you borrowed. That's what that means. So how does this work? You still have to pay that mortgage, Right. Um, but you know, how does the bank make money? They're going to go into business if they lose money, right? I can't, can't make money, but this also will affect savings rates. They're not going to pay any savings rates or, or any interest on savings or CDs. Matter of fact, you're going to have to pay them. That's how they have to make money. They're going to have to make money some way. You're going to have to pay them, to put money in their bank. What's that going to do? That's going to make you take more risk because you're not going to want to put money in the bank. You're going to try to do it, put it somewhere else where you can make money, and that means more risk somewhere else. Does that mean more people go bankrupt or lose their money because they're taking much more risk when they really shouldn't be because they're that's not what they you know should do? Maybe they're older. Maybe they rely on this money. And maybe they need this money to give them income to live on, and they can't get it, so they move on to riskier things. That's going to cause real estate to go up, right? Because now you're going to buy higher, more property than you really need because you're paying less. You can borrow and pay, don't pay it back. Not all of it, anyway. So does that mean we're going to produce bubbles? See, that's that's what I think it would do. 
It's not a smart thing to have negative interest rates. It's not a healthy thing to have negative interest rates. Sure, it's okay for a short while, but, you know, there's no economic system that will flourish under that kind of scenario. It will not. So, that's what's going on. But you can get negative interest rates from Danish banks. Can't do it here in the United States. Not happening. Not yet. But it's possible. It's always possible. I mean, look, I told you. That. Look at our mortgage rates now. They're pretty 3.6% for a 30-year fixed mortgage. It's pretty low. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program, everybody. Justin Klein will be here tomorrow, and I'll be here uh, back on Thursday. So we're switching days here. And please tell your investor friends that I will become returning to San Jose, August 29th. Love to meet with you there if I can, August 29th. And, of course, I'll be in New York, September 19th and 20th. So keep listening for any announcements for additional dates because I will have them. Learn more now. Just go to investtalk.com. Good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.